Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for episode three of season six of Supergirl titled Phantom Menaces. For this episode, we're going to take a close look at Alex's arc. And then we're also going to take a look at one of the major themes that we see within Alex's arc, which is facing the hard things as it applies to the other characters. But we wanted to take a look at Alex specifically because you may be asking the question, why isn't Alex like fighting to get Kara back the way that we've seen her do previously Mm. in most instances ever featuring Kara in danger? Yeah. It's kind of her default setting. It's true. And last week, we just talked about how, for Alex, heroism is very wrapped up in the idea of saving her little sister. And that is not only a value for her in terms of what she thinks is important and also often her like narrative purpose, Mm. like what the character was designed for, but is also who she thinks that she is. Her identity is, you know, the person who protects her sister and then also the person who protects, you know, all of her loved ones. It extends outward within her little circle. Yeah. And this is an idea that's introduced very early on in the series, the flashbacks that we see in Livewire in season one, when Kara and Alex are little and Kara's first moved in, Eliza essentially tells Alex, you know, you're Kara's big sister now. It's your job to keep her out of danger. And Alex uh, sure takes that to heart. Yeah. <laughs> her whole sense of being Kara's sister is intertwined with that because Kara is always running off into danger hmm. and she tries her best to keep up with her. So, yeah. And in this episode, the Cargram or the Hollow Cara. <laughs> um, I'm gonna vote for Hollow Cara. Okay. Because we also say Hollow Mom for Laura. That's fair. All right. Alex played the crystal on which Kara left her like final word. The speech that we saw her record in the first episode of the season. And Kara says about Alex that she taught her to love so fiercely it hurts. And I think that's kind of an excellent way to describe Mm -hmm. Alex as a person. Uh, Yeah. In terms of her biggest strengths and the positives in terms of like her identity and what we think of when we think of her character and her sort of kryptonite. (laughs) Because she does, in fact, love so fiercely that it hurts. Sometimes a little too much. Mm. Yeah. And this isn't the first time that we've seen Alex so overwhelmed by that feeling of how much she loves and cares about her family that she becomes almost paralyzed Mm. when she needs to act on it. Back in season four, during the Mind Wipe storyline, actually, we have this moment where it's in the midst of Alex not being aware that Kara is Supergirl. And she's so afraid for Kara's safety that she actually starts hyperventilating. Mm. Very similar to what we see in this episode. She, She just gets so upset at the idea that something could happen. She says in season four, it's like a piece of my heart is out there and it's wandering around in the world and on its own and I can't protect it. And that's 100% what she's feeling right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she similarly, she says to Kelly, like, I can't breathe. She she starts getting that same mm. kind of panicky reaction again in here. Yeah. And we've also seen with Alex how she'll, you know, going back to the idea of like, love so much it hurts, she'll stop everything in her life to, for instance, save Kara, like how she... <laughs> temporarily broke up with Maggie when Kara's life was in danger. And then she also, in season two, throws out the fact that she switched careers in part to protect Kara. And we see as much in one of her flashbacks with Jean because she's ready to write him off when he approaches her as Henshaw until he mentions Kara. And then her whole posture changes and she's like, I will fight you. <laughs> 
And that's the seed that he uses to get her to come to the DEO. Right. And this issue of this being both Alex's strength and her weakness comes up again and again for the character because this is her series long journey that she needs to to work on this problem. She needs to work on finding a balance of how much interrupting is too much of her own life. Mm -hmm. And it's something that Kara realizes during season four in the Mind Wipe storyline. She's talking to Jean at one point and she says about Alex, remember when she said she felt like her life was on pause and she and she didn't know why. And Kara's like, it it was me. And now that she doesn't know that I am in danger all the time, (laughs) she's not occupying her thoughts with that constantly. Mm, Yeah. And this tendency of Alex's to become sort of preoccupied with the well-being of a loved one over maybe her own wants or needs extends further than Kara. And also with, for instance, Maggie and her Mm. just struggling with the decision of whether or not to leave that relationship because of this huge thing that she wanted that Maggie did not want, which was having children Mm. and her deciding to do so to choose doing the thing that she wants and and a lot of ways needs because it's been a lifelong yeah (laughs) like dream for her was a huge you know step forward for her as a character so that is very much tied in with her character's journey throughout the seasons Mm. but we're seeing in this episode alex feel like with Cora gone and feeling like she It's like her fault that Kara is not back. Alex is like, what's my purpose now? Like, what is the point of her when Alex's idea of what Alex is, is so wrapped up in, you know, protecting Kara, protecting loved ones? Mm. Which is a little bit of a meta joke almost. Oh. Well, in that the character was created for that reason. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so we see Alex, like, feel like she has no reason for existing basically or like living life yeah she's not in a great place at the start of this episode yeah and additionally she of course misses her sister (laughs) but the reason she reacts in this specific way is because she doesn't know who she is anymore and that's a big problem for her not because she's like confused about who she is but because if she doesn't have that thing that that part of her that is the part where she protects Kara and her loved ones. She isn't worth anything. She isn't worthy of love. The thing that makes her worthy of love is protecting people. Mm. We talked about this concept a little bit in the video essay that we did on YouTube, which was on Alex in Wonderland and the super family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Alex has this dismissive avoidant attachment style. And an attachment style is the way that you in psychology would describe the kind of connection initially like a child will have with a parent or a caregiver, where if it's a secure attachment, then they are linked well together and the child feels safe with the parent and feels like their needs will be met. Alex has a dismissive avoidant attachment style, which is where she doesn't feel secure and therefore the way that she reacts, which is dismissive and avoidant, is like, I don't have any needs. Like She pretends to herself and to others that like, that's not, you know. Yeah, like she's fine. She tries to avoid being cared for, like doesn't want to take up space or in like extreme moments where she's down, she doesn't want to like exist She, in this episode, talks about how she wanted to disappear from the world. Mm. And we see this happen often when Alex has a blow to her sense of self. And in this episode, she says, like we said, I can't breathe. 
I feel like I don't even deserve air. She doesn't deserve the thing that is just like being alive, <laughs> being alive, take her taking care of herself like a necessary, like a need mm-hmm. because she failed to do the thing that makes her deserve love and deserve to exist. And that has the same sort of energy as this thread that we see with Alex of like, I should have just kept my mouth shut. Yeah. We see Alex say that when Maggie rejects her which is right after Alex comes out to Kara. It's this defensive reaction of, oh, people didn't like this thing about me. I need to make it go away. Yeah. It's a moment when Alex is like ready to embrace a new identity of being like a lesbian. And and, and I think we might have also said this in the either the podcast for Alex in Wonderland or the video, but she's also like Kara, not super great with change. So when she's in a place where she's like ready to embrace something new and then it gets rejected, like that's bad news. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, precisely. Because it's already a risk. And then it goes very poorly and reaffirms everything that she believes in a negative way. So when Maggie rejects her after she kisses her because she expects her to reciprocate those feelings, mm-hmm. she feels like that part of her identity is has been rejected or like invalidated and is like, I need to take that back. <laughs> I never said anything. I'm not a lesbian. And going back to this idea of Alex, like, and whether or not she deserves to like take up space, to breathe, to live, to exist, to be loved. We have in the Alex in Wonderland episode, Alex say about Jeremiah, he treated me like I wasn't even worth his time. Mm-hmm. And we know for Alex that in both her relationship with Jeremiah and Eliza, she has felt that at times their love is conditional, mm. that she has to be good at protecting Kara and with Jeremiah being good at protecting Kara and Eliza yeah, in order to be worthy of love and approval. And attention. And attention. Because that love for Alex feels conditional. Her then self-love is conditional. She feels good about herself when she is doing those things well and feels very bad about herself when she is not. Yeah. And in Alex in Wonderland, we saw... Alex feel really bad about herself and like literally disappear into a new identity of the Alex version of Supergirl because she was mad at herself for not having saved Jeremiah, which she says. She says, I was just mad at myself because I couldn't save him. And so I felt hopeless. And in this episode, in Phantom Menaces, we see Alex say that Car is trapped in a cold hell because I couldn't save her. Like, falls on her (laughs) to save all the people in her life. And when she feels like she hasn't, she wants to disappear. And then related to that, and we saw this in the Alex in Wonderland episode, when Alex is feeling very down on herself, very hard on herself like that, Or feeling like she's failed in some way. And going all the way back to the pilot even, Mm. she has this tendency to consume alcohol, Mm. perhaps in excess, in order to kind of cope with the feelings. And she does it in two different ways, depending on kind of what's happened. But for her, particularly as someone who is very guided by her feelings, it's not a good choice of coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. both number one, because sometimes she'll use it to kind of amplify and like wallow in bad feelings. (laughs) And the other thing is when you binge or drink too much, it serves the function of trying to shut all the feelings off, which like great, but also not at all great. (laughs) Not quite a long term solution. (laughs) No, it's completely unsustainable. And we've seen in fits and starts, she's recognizing that it's not good for her. Right. And I think it's also related to the sense of wanting to disappear 
and and the mm. kind of the numbing aspect of it. Yeah. And and wanting to escape from like herself. What was really nice to see though as an evolution for Alex from right. you know her turning up at cars in the pilot and going straight to take a shot <laughs> <laughs> was that she doesn't have alcohol at all in her presence in this episode. Mm. Like it's not even in the room. She just isn't even thinking about it, which yeah. was progress for her. Yeah. Really was. And then there's this other interesting thing with Alex in this episode, which is related to her not wanting when she feels bad about herself to meet her needs. Mm. She also will be resistant to like enjoying the little things in a way that we do not see with, say, Kara. We just talked about how Kara has the skill of like finding the silver lining of seeing like the beauty within difficult situations. In this episode, she's literally like trapped in the phantom zone with a broken leg and her father, who she thought was dead, was just kidnapped to be sacrificed. And she's like, oh, I better help my new friend see the bright side of things because she's finally learning to set herself free and she just has this ability to see the positive angles of difficult situations Mm. well and some of that's just brought out by her innate desire to connect to other people that's true in a way that alex doesn't naturally like to do (laughs) yeah well i also think it plays a big part in her resiliency yeah Kara as a character and i think it's like a value that she holds in a way that like Alex does not have that same value of trying to find the positive angle of things. Mm. Alex is like, I'm a realist. Yes. Probably would perceive herself that way. And so we see that this has always been something that's harder for Alex, even in situations that it would be useful for her to, you know, try to see the positive side of things, which it just reminds me of how in season two, Alex was described by one of the creators as having just sort of like sadness to her (laughs) that they initially didn't know how to like, tackle or like where it was coming from which has always been very interesting for me Mm. so it's understandable that Alex may have a bit of a difficulty sparking joy Mm. and it's made more difficult by Alex's tendency you know first off for I think thinking that staying anxious will protect everyone that her thinking about ways things could go wrong or just worrying about stuff or being always aware of what dangers are afoot Mm. (laughs) will ultimately protect her loved ones yeah which is an interesting element of her character because you could make the case that part of it has been magnified by her adult life of having been at the deo because she definitely has some ptsd that she's just not dealt with really a lot related to all of her experiences with that. And you see hypervigilance as a symptom of PTSD and your essentially your power of observation is on overdrive and you're looking for danger in every stray sound or little flash out of the corner of your eye. But we also know from some of the like the Elseworlds crossovers that that sense of just worry has always been a part of Alex. Right. And so <laughs> the poor kid just like... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. Especially as a person who, as we talked about in the Alex in Wonderland podcast, in understanding her personality, she's someone who builds on past experiences and internalizes them and uses them as her filter for judging the present and predicting the future. Right. And that's also where so much of this is coming from because mm. she's just got this nagging sense that like something's always going to go wrong. So I have to be ready for it. Yeah. And then you add on top of that her tendency to think that when she fails, <laughs> she doesn't deserve nice things. Yeah. Finding the the bright side of situations and as opposed to like looking for the dangers would be difficult 
logically, for Alex. But let's talk about the the progression that Alex goes through in this episode in the direction of, you know, life is worth it. Because she starts off the episode the way she describes it later is that this morning I couldn't get out of bed because I did not want to live in a world without Kara. But then she does actually, you know... (laughs) get to the couch at least <laughs> mm. to to watch the crystal i think driven by like the fact that she misses kara mm. which is not like a given because she could have instead been going to watch the video of kara giving her like last words to punish herself yeah but it, it seems like it was more driven by her missing Kara and and wanting to feel better, especially because the way she describes it later to Jean is like living with the fragments of the people we love pales in comparison to the real thing. I think that was yeah her seeking that out in a almost a self-care way. <laughs> mm, yeah. The other thing that was kind of nice about the way they framed that scene where we essentially as viewers walk in on her viewing mm. the crystal is that it gives us evidence to support what you're saying that she was doing it because she missed her more than because she felt she wanted to like feel worse. Right. Because she's actively doing something that will remind her of Kara and of mm. being together with Kara. She's sitting on her couch. She's got like a fluffy blanket. <laughs> it's It just looks like Sister Night, except she's by herself. Except she's by her. That's <laughs> Which so is sad. horrible. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and something I find interesting throughout the episode is Kyler's acting and mm-hmm. the way that she uses her face. <laughs> and one of the things that I found interesting was in this scene where Alex's face is blank, pretty much. She's just sort of passively viewing and probably like missing Kara until Kara mentions Alex Mm. in her speech yeah in a nice way like how she says you know that Alex loves so fiercely that it hurts and we talked about in the Alex in Wonderland video how we consistently see Alex reject like love and affection when she feels bad about herself for instance like waving Kelly away when she says like I'm here for you in the Alex in Wonderland episode Mm. Yeah. Shrugging off the hug from Wynn, even though it, you know, was progress for her because she accepted it for a little while <laughs> Yeah, in the Both Sides Now episode of season three. So when Kara starts saying nice things about her and, and how she was so important to Kara and informing who Kara is now, she begins then to cry as opposed to any moment before then. Mm. And then Kelly walks in and we see how Alex's self-image is so shaken that she thinks it's pointless to try to help others, which was such a big, as we've been talking about this whole time, part of her identity. Mm. She thinks it's totally pointless for her to engage in doing that. But at the same time, Alex is actually like saying her difficult feelings out loud to Kelly and like isn't doing it in any kind of mean way, (laughs) which is different than, for instance, in the Alex in Wonderland episode when... Kelly was trying to help her and get through to her after Jeremiah's death. Mm, Yeah. And the nice thing there is that this is some progress for Alex since that episode in season five in that she feels safe now, trusting that Kelly will be a stable, supportive force if she does share her feelings and will just kind of let her feel them. Mm. And this is something we learned about Alex a while ago in the series as a character when Kara takes Alex up to Midvale after she's broken up with Maggie because she's like, you're going to want to be in this space. Mm. 
Eliza says something to Kara that demonstrates that she understands, much like Kelly does, how Alex processes feelings. Like Alex will really want to like lean into feeling sad or feeling hurt or what have you. But she needs to feel like it's safe for her to do that before she will. And then as long as she does feel safe with that, she can kind of figure out everything in her own head and pick herself back up and move on. Mm-hmm. And so this is why it's really nice to see that she's moved to being sad in a a healthier way, especially since this is such a huge loss to her, both emotionally and for her sense of herself. And it's reflected in the way she behaves at the end of the episode when she says Kelly is a rock for her in that way, where she'll give Mm -hmm. her space to kind of be sad, but also just be supportive versus where we've seen Alex in the past, where she really only lets her guard down like alone in her house. (laughs) And then she puts on this front that nothing is wrong to everybody else. Sometimes even to Kara or Eliza or Jean. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And something that Kelly does in this episode in season six is prompt Alex to shift the way that she thinks about helping other people and and sort of recenter it toward being a thing that's for herself. Mm. Because for Kelly, the example that she uses is when she felt bad about what happened at Obsidian. And then she says, I lost my way and I found a lifeline in helping Silas find his. And then Kelly says, because when everything seems dark, that's when we show up for those who need us the most. And it's not just because it's like the right thing to do, which is how both, you know, Alex and like a little bit Cara would (laughs) probably frame it, but because it helps us. Yes. Which takes me to this quote from it's Buddha's little instruction book, which is, if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. And I often think about it in terms of like Lena, who has difficulties with self-compassion and compassion for others. And it's super linked for her when she does not have self-compassion that makes it worse for her having compassion for other people. And I think it is also something that Alex struggles with in the sense that she has a lot of compassion for other people, particularly like her close loved ones. But it can run out when it comes to her. Yeah, her bar for herself is set at a very different level than anyone (laughs) else. But the idea of helping others and and caring for others, also benefiting oneself, and that being a positive thing is an important idea for Alex. So Alex, you know, doesn't quite feel it in the sense that she's like, oh, I feel better now. But she does make the decision to go in to help Jean with the phantom situation, despite you know, that pervasive feeling that doing so will be pointless. And we see her, you know, help the super friends in kind of a more reserved manner than usual. Mm. So she's trying. But then we also see her freeze when Silas turns into a phantom and starts attacking Jean, Mm. which is new. It is. It's unusual in the sense that Alex is almost always the first person to jump to action or to get in front of somebody else and put herself between them and danger. You think, you know, non-showing up in season one after Astra died and Alex is on her feet with the gun out, even though Kara's right there. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, she always is there to protect people. So for her to be frozen like that is a sign that something's very off. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, and we see her flashes when she freezes. She sees the Mm. fight from the previous episode with the phantoms, the fight which occurred immediately after she realized that they weren't going to be able to get Kara back, Mm. which was a big sort of symbol of Alex's supposed failure to both save Kara and then, you know, there's a phantom loose now. And she also has flashes of like happy times with Kara and couch scenes. And also contributing to this moment where she has a traumatic flashback kind of in the midst of all that is happening. She was the person who encouraged Silas to go forward Mm. and get the portal thing online when the phantoms attacked. And so they never explicitly say it, but she's probably feeling guilty about that too, especially, you know, when he turns into this terrible demon thing (laughs) in front of her eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting a sense by these flashes and, you know, by all the everything else that Alex feels like a failure and that, like she said, you know, what's the point of trying anything else? So she's in this moment where she is sort of vividly feeling the sense of her own failure Mm. while a loved one is in danger and feeling a sense of like hopelessness and what's the point Like, why should I even try to help? Because I'm going to fail. Yeah. And then the other piece of it, which is part of the conflict that was set up in this episode, and it was really nicely done, is that when Alex does freeze in this episode, which is so unusual for her, Jean doesn't really seem to notice. Mm. And he doesn't step in closer to look out for her, protect her in the same way that he did in the previous episode. Yeah. But not only is it a contrast to 602 where he does step in front of her to protect her, it's also a reverse of something that we saw way back in season one with Strange Visitor from Another Planet, episode 111, where Jean freezes and has a similar kind of traumatic flashback because he's seen a white Martian for the first time since he got away from Mars. Mm. And Alex is right there and jumps straight in front of him, the gun out to defend him. And this was very like that scene, except Jean is not there. Yeah. Yeah. Jean's going on his own uh, crisis of identity. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, (laughs) So you have this visual representation of how stuck Alex feels right now to the point that she's essentially paralyzed Mm. in a situation where she normally wouldn't be. But you also have it as this visual symbol of her and Jean being completely out of sync, which given that we saw going from late season five into early season six, this heavy use of Martian family symbolism with Sean and with Alex Mm. and how close and similar they are. They're not at all on the same wavelength (laughs) for most of this episode. (laughs) And you realize as the story progresses that it's because they are so similar. They both feel so guilty that they're actually like avoiding each other (laughs) in a way that's damaging. But it's particularly intriguing as to how this manifests itself because John was the first parental figure Alex had in her life after Kara arrived who really recognizes her attributes independent of Kara and sees her for herself and also tries to encourage her to do something with herself Mm -hmm. besides just think first, I have to protect Kara. Mm -hmm. Like, he plays upon that insecurity to get her attention, 100%, um, which we've talked about in the Jean, Tricky Jean. <laughs> Jean episode. He's got some rough edges that need to be maybe smoothed a little. Classic Jean. But, you know, he recognized how much of her life was consumed by that, and he tried to give her a space to feel competent and confident on her own merits. Mm-hmm. And so for him to be so not aware 
of that guilt that's eating away at her is very unusual. Yeah. Well, and he tries to offer her advice. Right. <laughs> he He's like, you know, we have to just like soldier on, which is the advice that he kind of got from the gun, <laughs> but like took it too far like we thought he would. <laughs> and while it's like technically motivational when he says, <laughs> yeah. in another context, it would be like, OK, we're going to push forward. We're going to fight for Kara and we'll just we'll keep our heads to the work and we'll get it done and we'll stick to what we know and we're good at this you know it ultimately appeals to alex's like sense of self too much yeah it appeals to her her feelings of responsibility and that want of hers to just like you know try harder and forget like her own needs and emotionally mm-hmm. and physically and everything in order to protect Kara. <laughs> but that's the thing that is making her feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she wants to feel a different kind of way. And it's almost good on her for recognizing that that's not really what she needs. <laughs> Although she does continue. She gives Jean like this like almost sarcastic thumbs up and walks away. <laughs> yeah, this is for Jean, who's usually very good at pitching things to Alex in the way she needs to hear them and who is genuinely most of the time very supportive of her emotions and her need to have space for them. Yeah. This is really pushing her into that old pattern of of shutting off, like you said. Like, yeah, she's obviously very sad because Kara's gone and Kara is her sister, but she's also at the moment she needs to hear something besides that as the reason for doing what she's mm. doing otherwise she's just going to stay stuck on the guilty feeling but jean is so divorced from being dad at the moment <laughs> that he just doesn't see it at all where he ordinarily would and she's like this is not right and that's part of where her <laughs> restored mistrust of him kind of comes in mm. what jean says is you know, in his explanation of, of why he's behaving the way that he is, because marching is the only way to get her back. But Alex is also coming from a place where, like, she just doesn't believe that. Hearing that argument isn't going to work because she so doesn't connect with it. No. And then the other thing is, if you think back to the way he approached her about the DEO, he's kind of like basically saying that all that training was specifically for her to be there to save and protect Kara when he originally <laughs> told her the opposite. So, like... This isn't what he meant. He meant like you have the training so that you can separate your emotions from the things that you need to do. But the the underlying message here, she's picking up some things he didn't think were happening. Right. Yeah. And she walks away like disappointed and more upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because she hardly bothers to argue with him in the way that she usually would be quite, you know, using that word again, fierce yeah. when it comes to defending her stance on issues with her family. Like, I mean, you think about Jeremiah in season two. <laughs> that was a very different reaction. Or when she went behind Jean's back and just like arrested Max Lord. <laughs> also true. Yeah. So she contrasting with all of that, it feels again like it's pointless. Yeah. And is, is kind of disappointed. Mm. Yeah. And I brought up to you, it's very similar to how she was early in season one, both with Eliza, specifically think to Livewire when she finally admits to Eliza that she had been in the DEO and Eliza freaks out because she's like, oh, God, that's the place that killed your dad, which Alex didn't know. (laughs) But she's like, wait, I'm doing this really dangerous, brave thing and you're yelling at me. This is perfect. And she's just so frustrated and disappointed. And she walks out. She, you know, Mm. checks herself out and is like, I give up, whatever. Right. And she does something similar with Jean after she 
finds out the information about her dad and she thinks that Jean S. Henshaw was responsible for killing him. She pulls away from him emotionally there, too. Mm. Well, and these are related, I think, to Alex, you know, going back to attachment style, like Mm. feeling like her needs are not being met and then not trying to make them be met and kind of just giving up or, or, you know, dismissing it. Instead of saying, hey, no, this is not what I need. I need this. She's just like, well, forget it. You don't care. (laughs) Precisely. (laughs) But then we also see later for Alex, the moment when she starts to shift I think her perspective in a bit of a more positive, hopeful, like there is a point to living and to trying to save Kara has to do with Jean. When Jean becomes upset and thinks that Magan is going to die, you know, initially he throws the iPad, which <laughs> technology is really taking a beating even more than in season five, <laughs> in season six so far. And, you know, Alex perks up and, and notices that obviously Jean's upset and goes to follow him. And there's this lingering shot on Alex's face, which there were a lot in this episode in a nice directing kind of way. And Alex has this kind of tired, blank look, hmm. which reminds me a little bit of in the movie Inside Out, when the control board for all of the emotions in the brain starts to go gray because the little girl Riley is like depressed. In this scene, we see a very relaxed, emotionless face from Alex Mm. as Jean is talking. And Jean, you know, he confirms sort of her hopelessness when he says, it's inevitable, Megan's life force, her soul will be lost. Her face is still that same kind of tired, blank look. Mm. But then Jean starts to cry and starts to blame himself and, and sits. And we see Alex's face change where she like opens her mouth as if to like say something to help. Like to be consoling. Yes. yes. Which is, you know, compare that to when she was frozen. Mm. In the phantom attack scene. Well, and also consider it's a sign of them reconnecting emotionally, too. Yes. But in this scene, you know, when Alex is like, okay, time to talk to Jean and try to make him feel better and try to be proactive. It's coming from a place of wanting to help him. But it's not just because she's supposed to. Because of who she is, you know, or because she has a responsibility to. It's just because she sees him upset and she loves him and she wants to help him. Mm -hmm. It's coming from a place of of want and connection as opposed to the way that she sees herself in the world. And Alex says to Jean, I know how much you want to give up. But you have to fight Megan. She's still in there. And even if there's the smallest chance that we can save her, we have to try for her, for her soul. And she finds, you know, quite a bit of hope, not through like gritting her teeth and and, like doing what's right, but because she loves the people in her life and because she cares enough about herself to try. And we see her kind of, I think, rebuilding a relationship with what is genuinely a value of hers, which is like protecting others Mm. and and family in a healthier way, uh, driven by positive feelings as opposed to obligation or anxiety or or fear of failure. And when that happens, when she makes that connection with Jean and helps him and also comes up with a solution, yes, <laughs> which is something that she didn't think she would be able to do again, she starts seeing what she loves about the world again. Like we see her do things that 
speak to how she usually enjoys her job and what she does and and enjoys the people that she works with for instance with brainy <laughs> yeah a couple things where he's like on his own parallel path of getting access to all of his feelings again and at the same time he takes that kind of step over the threshold of like having positive feelings outwardly again and he makes a star trek reference and alex has her usual like reaction of like don't (laughs) which is very like big sister like embarrassed energy Mm -hmm. even if it's a little bit more muted than we usually see and then we also see with brainy like will you be my wingman and like she approves of his choice of weapon yeah like the action hero vibe is back yes and she has that one-liner at the phantom which is like hey i don't remember sending you an invitation and then we see you know after all the action is done and magan's life has been saved we have another shot where the camera lingers on Alex for a good amount of time and she has a shift in her facial expression to that more muted look that she's had or just like straight faced to mm-hmm. smiling at Megan and Jean connecting in a romantic way. Yes, which I found really cute because if you look back to season two, technically she set them up. So it's very <laughs> cute that she's so you know pleased to see them together and, and reconnecting in that way. Yes. And then to kind of round out, as I brought up earlier, they've been reinforcing this idea that Alex is very much a part of the Martian family. There were a few little bits and pieces throughout the episode that drew Alex back into that connection, even though initially she and Jean were just totally at odds with each other. You have Magan at the start of the episode in a way that's been very consistent since season two, kind of looking out for Alex and warning Jean off of approaching her before she's ready, which is reminiscent of season two when Magan stayed with Alex after she was possessed by the White Martian and was kind of like, oh my God, holding her head. Hmm. And you also see Jean later in the episode telling Alex to prep a Martian plasma transfer for Magan, which if you think about Alex solicited Magan for help with the blood transfusion for Jean in season two when everybody was so resistant to it. And now they're all like, yes, here we are on board with it. Let's do it. And just the shift from everyone being so guarded with each other to here, where it is very mutually supportive, even if there were some bumps along the way, <laughs> was a nice a nice transition of showing that for as much as these people are unmoored at the moment, mm. they are still connected by their concern for each other. Yeah. And there's sort of, a, I think, a progression of some is like pay it forward with Kelly, who helps Alex and then Alex, who some of what she says starts to get through to her as events transpire. And then Alex helps Jean. And then we see Alex again go back and help Kelly. So this group of people working together to support each other, also in the absence of Supergirl, mm. which is notable. And it was really nice to see Alex go to Kelly. She brings her flowers. Yes, that was so cute. Yes. To show her appreciation for what Kelly did for her in this episode. But she also, for as much as, you know, Alex comes in with the flowers and she's very kind of shy and and hesitant at first, she doesn't apologize for anything, which I think is really important Mm. to acknowledge. Just that, especially for a lot of women, your impulse when you have feelings is to like be sorry they existed. (laughs) Yeah. But she frames the whole thing really positively. She's like, you know, I had a tough day today. You motivated me to do this thing. And now I'm going to do something nice for you. Like it was very, yeah, very sweet. I liked it a lot. It was nice. And someone put a lot of thought in the framing of it in that way. Mm. 
Yeah. And this scene was was nice in terms of Alex sort of thinking that it's important to do a little thing for Kelly, Mm. because that is sort of what she learned (laughs) in this episode, which was, as she says, because life is crazy and unpredictable. And all that really matters is that we share the little things with the people that we love. And we talked about earlier how she struggles with that. How she struggles to find like moments even for her like relationships is something that she had difficulties with when there are really stressful events happening. How does she like live as a person in the world, especially when she is in a space where she feels like she doesn't deserve to have the nice things? Mm. Yeah. Going back to the idea like she doesn't apologize here. She's doing it in a healthy, positive way of of connecting with Kelly and being like, I appreciate what you've done for me. Mm. And it's also, it's forward thinking. It's not stuck anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's not, you know, ruminating. Yeah. (laughs) And then that quote, which is, you know, life is crazy and it's unpredictable, takes us again back to locus of control for Alex. Your favorite concept. (laughs) Alex, as we all know, has an external locus of control. She thinks that she does not have control over the world and sometimes feels not great about that because (laughs) the world can be dangerous. But we see her feel quite confident in this episode with respect to the world being crazy and unpredictable and something that she can't control. She says, you know, Jean wanted to give up today, but he didn't. None of us did. And we did the impossible, which is something kind of that we've talked about recently with Alex and and how she is a human amongst aliens Mm. (laughs) trying to do the impossible all the time, despite feeling like she doesn't have that kind of crazy control that Kara thinks that she has yeah. <laughs> over the world and the events that transpire. And Alex feels safer in the world in this episode because of something that she can control, which is herself mm-hmm. and her own outlook and whether or not she is engaged in the life that she has and trying to find positivity in dark moments and trying to connect with her loved ones in little ways, mm. which brings us back to something that Kelly said at the beginning of the episode, which speaks to that concept of like Alex has control only over herself mm. and what kind of power that can have. Kelly says, the point is that you're still here and you get to decide whether you give up or you keep going, which is an excellent framing for Alex. Cara like. Cara like. The way that you put that with, you know, engaging in little things reminds me of Cara's sense of incrementalism from the previous episode. If I get one more inch, mm. that's progress. Right. So, and you get to decide whether or not you go one more inch. Kara's still in there with you, Alex. (laughs) You can do it. And Alex says, you know, that Kelly imparted upon her that she just needs to get up and shake herself off and face the hard things. And for Alex, facing the hard things is facing a world without Kara Mm. and and facing who she is without Kara when she's also not protecting others or, or fails to protect others and facing the idea of like choosing to love the part of herself that is not doing the protecting, mm. like what's left over after that. And she has this great speech where she like summarizes everything that she has like discovered in herself. And, and she says that she, you know, wants to face the hard things because people that we love are worth it. Life is worth it, which is kind of a big it doesn't, <laughs> deal for Alex. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not something that feels like it should be that profound, but this is something that this character has struggled with understanding for herself for the whole series. Mm. So she's getting there. She's getting there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to to answer sort of her question at the beginning of the episode and to round out 
this discussion of of Alex and her relationship with like her identity and loss of identity, she asks, what's my purpose now? And by the end of the episode, she kind of has an answer, which is just to live and to be with her loved ones and to continue to try. To do all the things that being Kara's sister kept her from doing. (laughs) No, Bibi. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of hard things to face. Yeah, let's talk about the other characters taking this idea of facing the hard things, which is Alex sort of presenting the theme or the lesson of the episode we first have kelly yeah kelly olsen mvp uh yeah so you had already said that kelly was like higher on your list of favorite characters (laughs) kelly is rapidly moving up my list of favorite characters because of this episode specifically nice (laughs) (laughs) so her evolution on this idea of facing hard things was interesting because she starts out this episode in a relatively empowered position compared to some of the other characters right she's fairly confident that she has the right tools to be helpful, whether it's telling Alex, I'll sit here with you quietly, whether it's Mm -hmm. just listening or whether it's helping her put her feelings into words and verbalizing them for her. Right. But under the surface of that, we do see some hints that she's going through an emotional journey of her own that is shakier in the way that these other characters are. She alludes to having felt like she's lost her sense of purpose because Obsidian completely collapsed in the wake of Lex and Leviathan's manipulation of the VR. Mm. And that reminds me of of something we brought up previously in our discussion of Kelly and Alex as characters and how they both are kind of mission-driven people. So if Mm. there is no mission, what do you do next? Um, (laughs) And the other part of it, that was kind of neat to see play out in this episode was that in the very first meeting Kelly had with Alex, Alex observes that Kelly does not seem to wobble under pressure, right. alluding to the beautiful jello metaphor. <laughs> the jello metaphor. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that we see present with Kelly in a lot of the aspects of her character that we learn, like with relation to James and with her mother, and even with Alex and their initial argument when they meet Mm. about how to address James being in danger. Kelly does like the rational thing there. Kelly as a character faces the hard things, typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in her initial attempts to connect with Alex at the end of the episode, she doesn't bring up her own experiences with this, which was probably a smart move because of how Alex reacted in the Alex in Wonderland episode about Kelly reminding her she's lost her dad, too. Kelly kind of does, to some extent, maybe get what Alex is feeling because of how many times James has been nearly killed by Lex specifically. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But also, I think they met because James was dying in the hospital. So, like, she knows what that kind of pit in your stomach is of the thought of losing someone who's been such a huge part of your life. Yeah. But that said, we see by the end of this episode that even the steadiest of our characters can start wobbling and Kelly is and that does make me wonder what is awaiting Kara <laughs> as we finish uh, yes. out this story <laughs> so this kind of hints and we've had it several weeks in a row now of Kelly being bothered by things from her own past and how they affect her in the present and how much they've shaken or not her sense of self they're building towards something So, for example, last week we saw her referencing her time in the army and the loss of her fiancé and how she apparently had never really told anyone about that. 
Mm. And this week we see her go through this realization that she doesn't fully feel capable or empowered to help when she tries to defend an unconscious Magan from the Phantom and it ice burns her hands. Right. But the nice thing, as you had already said, is that we have this full circle for her and Alex at the end of the episode where she reassured Alex early and now Alex is repaying the favor and saying, you feel like you didn't save anyone, but you saved me, which then contributed Mm. to everyone else being successful. Yeah. Kind of like what Kelly said to Silas last week. You know, Mm. if you do this thing and we get Supergirl back, everything she does from there is like the butterfly effect. You know, it's all because of this one small thing, going back to this idea of even Mm. something small can make a difference. The little things have big ripples. Yes. Uh-huh. Make waves. Hashtag make waves. Thank you. Thank you, Cara Danvers. <laughs> and so we'll have to see where Kelly's arc goes in yeah. upcoming episodes. I don't know how much more progress we'll see on it before they go to break because we have Cara Alex heavy flashbacks coming up. But right. we'll see. Yeah. Exciting. And for our next character, talking about this face the hard things theme, mm. we have Alina, who in this episode leaves Luther Corp and disengages with Lex entirely. And at the very beginning of the episode, Lena said as Lex was leaving her office after having gotten what he thinks is like a one-up on her, she says, this isn't over. And he says, it never is. Hmm. That aged poorly for Lex. (laughs) So Lena's not going to play that game anymore. And we've talked about before how Lena's storyline has been the whole time about a person who was raised in an abusive family, the Luthers. And... The question of whether or not she will continue that cycle of abuse, whether or not she will become a Luther and whatever that represents to the world, which is like a villainous person. And in this context, a villainous person is someone, you know, for Lena, who behaves the way that her family members behaved at her toward other people. And we have seen Lena struggle with that in that she has done many of the things that the Luthers have done. And for Lena, who has historically been fueled by defiance or opposition to things in her life. Which is something that Lex says in season four about Lena, which is like the idea that Lena is better for having someone to defy. Yeah, like she needs something to rebel against. Right. Or she won't (laughs) achieve her full potential. Yeah. Which there's a lot of messed up like layers to that. (laughs) Also involving Lex being like, and that's why I had to treat you horribly. (laughs) Yeah. But it leads to her always being very conscious of her reputation and how other people perceive against her. And then she is internally always fighting this battle against people she perceives as against her in some way. Whether it's Lex or we've seen it with her own public image and Mm. with Supergirl when they are at odds with each other. Yeah. So for Lena, the hard thing is not like fighting (laughs) or or, or like getting back up after a loss. It's no longer engaging in the thing that has been harmful for her and everyone else around her. It's letting go. Yeah. And that actually mirrors what Alex went through in this episode quite nicely. They're both in this place where their external markers of how they define themselves are gone. So Mm. they need to find those intrinsic reasons for being who they are and and motivating themselves to do the things that they like to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we also go back to this idea that we talked about with Alex of compassion for others and compassion for the self being intertwined. Because with Lena in this episode, she makes a big emotional sort of stride 
with little boxes <laughs> when she is helping Brainy, who feels like his emotions are out of control and wants to just like push them into little boxes, which actually takes us to Brainy. Yes. And the hard thing for him in this episode. Yeah. I mean, so I was actually almost inclined to have this be the main focus of the podcast episode. Mm. We were super torn generally mm. about this episode yes. because there was a lot that was really good. But my argument for saving this for later is that I think we're going to see a lot more of both Brainy and Lena, whereas this was more of like a, a check-in for Alex in a bigger way that I think will fade into the background. So mm. valid. But I do definitely want to shout out Jesse's acting in this episode. I mean, he nails it every time. They have to bring mm. in the really intense emotions for Brainy. But specifically, I really liked the way that he was modulating his voice to convey Mm. the tension and the internal sense of being torn up that was happening because he's very brusque, very clipped in a noticeable way at the start and then just unleashes in in a bunch of different ways (laughs) the outpouring of emotion. And it was just so good and so great to watch. Yeah. Katie did a good job Mm. in that scene also. Yeah. They're really fun emotional scene partners, (laughs) I think. Brainy and Lena. Yes. So for Brainy, the hard thing that he's facing this episode is his very, very big feelings, which Jesse so wonderfully demonstrated. And we see him, with Lena's help, try to put away the little boxes. Lena says that they'll eat away at you until there's nothing left. And she says, and I know it's hard, but you have to embrace that. And it's interesting because we sort of get the reveal that Brainy went from wearing his personality inhibitors, where he dialed back all of those feelings, Mm. to trying to inhibit his own emotions himself, as opposed to like integrating them in a healthy way with the little boxes. So it has been interesting to see him go from the Brainy that we knew before to losing the personality inhibitors and then becoming more restrained. Mm. And it was also related to, obviously, everything that was happening with Lex and him thinking that, you know, he has to not connect with the people that he wants to connect with. But the tool that he has been using this whole time has been the little boxes. And, you know, speaking of the personality inhibitors, like this this level of anger from Brainy, where in this episode we see him in detail lay out the way that they could potentially murder Lex if they wanted to. That anger is almost the very thing that he's afraid of, the thing that could make him more like his family. And and he could have gone on almost like a Lena-like journey of crossing lines that he was afraid to cross that he associates with being like his family. Mm-hmm. But Lena, who has just gone through that, is like, no, actually, maybe don't do that. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, please. Yeah. Which it goes back to this idea of like, you know, we need a support system is good. Yes. And then, you know, after he lets out that anger and has almost like a red-faced car scene of like punching the car hanging to let out her anger or the harnessing anger scene with the heat vision. He has this big emotional outburst on purpose where he yells, I hate him (laughs) so much. (laughs) But after he does that, we see him like make a Star Trek joke (laughs) yeah which has been something missing from his character because of this place that he put himself in Mm. and and trying to inhibit all of his feelings all the time because he can't control them and addressing that anger like letting it out and bringing it to the surface as opposed to trying to push it down gives him room to have other kinds of emotions (laughs) like humor (laughs) apart from anger (laughs) and you know moving on to our other lovely characters in this episode we have john jones Jean in this episode says a 
just a mean line from the writers to our hearts, <laughs> which is, I've already lost so many people that I love. Ouch. <laughs> which cuts exactly to the core of the thing that is weighing on him. And it is a reminder of like why everything that is happening is the hard thing for him, facing those core trauma issues. And it's fitting, of course, that Alex was the person who helped him get on that more centered path. Mm. Well, and the other big thing for Jean as far as facing hard things was he had already kind of started doing this, confronting how strongly he feels about Magan and connecting to her fully. He did that in the season premiere. And then in this episode, he had to face the choice of potentially losing the last piece of her, too, that he has left mm, yeah. versus using that to potentially save her. And he decided to take that risk because, again, Alex encouraged him and was like, no, this will do it. Yeah. We also saw him in a way similar to what we see Alex then later do connect with Magan and, and show his appreciation. Yes. And be with her in an emotionally connected way that is sort of resonant with this idea of like the little things and, and sharing them with the people that you love. That journey that Alex went through. Yep. It was good stuff. Yeah. And so then, like we did last week, we have our stray thoughts, but the first one is still connected to the things we already were talking about. <laughs> As natural. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode did, I think, a great job with regard to emotions mm -hmm. and how it's not just about the problem of the week, which were like stopping the phantoms, saving McGon's life, being angry at Lex. It's also about like losing Kara. There are those connections of like Jean starts crying harder when Alex brings up how they lost Kara when he's also afraid that he's about to lose Megan. Mm. Brainy, when he has his big emotional anger outburst, lands on and I miss her. Yes. Meaning Kara. The anger behind the anger, if you will. Yeah. And the anger of that was directed at, like, Lex is this person who did that yep. <laughs> to her. Mm -hmm. But then even deeper, it's not just about losing Kara. It's about each of the characters' deeper, like, lifelong journeys that they have gone on and their character arcs. And these layers all together made an episode which was, hey, there's a problem. There's a phantom loose. <laughs> Someone's life is in danger. And, oh, Lex is trying to one-up me. Like, basic plot elements, because those emotional layers were present, it made a really solid episode. Yeah. Well, and that's the difference between an episode that is character-centric that still moves plot forward versus an episode that is plot-centric and the character stuff is kind of secondary. Right. And the other nice thing about this episode is that it reminds me that you asked me before the season started what kind of villain I would like to see. And I said something that attacks everyone's psychological vulnerabilities and forces them to work together. And uh, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Wish granted. <laughs> Nixley's done it. <laughs> Perfect. And then related to that, you brought this up already, but major, major directing kudos for this episode because the scenes had room to breathe. And I say mm -hmm. that because that's just the way that you explain it and not because Alex was having a panic attack in this episode. Uh, <laughs> this one kind of fixed the issue we observed with the prior two right. episodes that were like both the premiere of they were cramming in so much stuff that you didn't have time mm -hmm. like Alex wants to in this episode to linger with the emotions <laughs> and to let the scenes breathe and feel more natural in the pacing. 
amazing. Right. That and also just the thematic through lines of this episode came together nicely, which does not always happen in the translation from the script to the final package put together on screen. Mm. It felt much more clear that the stories were all connected around a central idea and a core set of feelings. Yeah. Which is, you know, because of the format of this podcast is something that we pay a lot of attention to, whether or not the themes (laughs) for which we might base our episodes on are apparent and and prominent within the episode. Mm. In this episode, one thing I think is important is the way that it addressed hard emotional subjects like anger and grief and guilt and hopelessness. It did it in a way that was not only emotionally satisfying, like we explored those dark feelings But it was also quite, you know, hopeful and like Supergirl wholesome (laughs) in a really nice way. Yeah. And I think it maximized that problem of the week format to its full potential in that way. And and it's almost representative to me of what the best version of the show is Mm. from week to week. Yeah. And then other things we just enjoyed, which (laughs) are not necessarily about the quality of the episode, but things that we just love. Yes. So we commented on this last week. They did change the title of this episode about two weeks before it aired from Phantoms of the Opera to Phantom Menaces. And I'm sure it was because the opera did not feel like it had any bearing on this episode whatsoever (laughs) in terms of visual content or things people said out loud. However, someone in the writer's room has been sneaking in musical theater shout outs in, I think, every episode so far. So uh, (laughs) we see it and we we appreciate it. (laughs) If you know the story of Phantom of the Opera, that was the motif of this episode (laughs) to a point where it was almost a little bit foreshadowy of maybe things to come as well. Mm. But there were a lot of things. Alex at the beginning where she's kind of sitting and thinking about Kara and missing her. There's a whole song called Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again. And that's basically what it's about. Right. The speech that Kara's giving in her little hologram form describes Alex as her first companion on Earth. And the song literally starts off with You Are My One Companion. Yes. So it felt very appropriate. And then we also see both Lena and Brainy trying to get away from this like oppressive, manipulative force that is ruining their lives, which is a huge part of the story of Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) The Phantom Um, of Luther Corp. (laughs) Lex literally as the Phantom. And then the biggest thing is that the entire story in Phantom of the Opera revolves around this girl who is the main character, essentially like looking for the ghost of her dead father Mm. in this man who starts out seeming really nice. But then you find out he's a murderer and a terrible person. So So what we're saying is we're like a little bit suspicious of Zarel. Maybe so, especially given some of the twists Comicker Girl helpfully explained to us from Rebirth that may or may not appear at any point. So we'll see. But the suspicion does not necessarily stop at (laughs) Zorel. No, they don't. (laughs) We have a new character who is called Nixley Gespitlins. Sure. (laughs) Or Nixley for short. Yes. (laughs) Whom I love. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you kind of instantly were like, well, she's my new favorite person. (laughs) Truly. It's just the when things spark joy, you know, you just know. And (laughs) speaking of sparks, we have snaps of her magic. And speaking of references that Vivi is quite attuned to Harry Potter and magic. (laughs) Yes, there was a lot of magic in this episode and I appreciated it. And then, like, last little cute thing, which I appreciate that they're dropping hints that this character will appear soon. 
Kara's little self-introduction in the hologram, what that Alex was listening to, specifically gave Eliza a shout out for imbuing her with her sense of compassion, which mm. I think we talked about yeah. when we did our Danvers Sisters Mentors and Leaders episode, which we had talked about in the hiatus during season five. So it was nice to see Kara affirm that. Yes. Speaking of, you know, people being appreciative of the things that other characters offer them. Mm. So that wraps up our companion episode for Phantom Menaces. Next week, we have Lost Souls, mm. <laughs> keeping with this spooky, the spooky theme. <laughs> naming <Yeah>. system. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, particularly after that episode airs, you can message us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirl's Attic. And thanks for listening. 